Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm in PwC and I'm talking with Pat Moore. How's it going, Pat? Very well, Ronan. Thank you. Thanks for coming along today. No problem. Tell us a bit about your background. Well, Ronan, I'm a partner in PwC leading on cybersecurity and privacy matters. Um, been a partner now for um, over 16 years, actually. Um, so a lot of experience helping clients uh, with the day-to-day risks that come with cyber information yeah. security and privacy. So uh, a good, deep, broad level of experience. Right now, recently PwC released the latest Digital Trust Insight Survey. Can you tell me more about the survey and its findings? Yeah, sure. It's a very interesting survey. Uh, over 3,000 executives uh, from different organizations have completed a number of them from, from Ireland as well, which is fantastic. Um, it's it's a survey that, that I found really interesting because for the first time ever, we're able to measure um, the value of having cybersecurity risks identified very early on in a a business Uh, and what I mean by that is when an organization chooses to go using artificial intelligence or going down do something that's radically different maybe perhaps in the digital area for the first time ever organizations now are saying let's get the security guys in early let's get them to anticipate what the risks are and let's get them out on the table early so that we can build the right controls in place. So I guess basically you're more letting people know that in advance what you're looking at for. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and uh, and you know I think that's that's a really positive thing to um, to involve the cybersecurity guys early on and the risk guys early on because um, all of a sudden you're enabling the business, you're providing more value to the business yeah. rather than I mean I've been in this game for quite a long time. And security guys have a, have a bad name when it comes to uh, business circles. The, 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 the business stakeholder looks upon information security professionals, not all of them, but certainly a large portion of them. Business will look at them as being, these are blockers. These are people that are preventing us from making a book. Um, they're all about compliance and regulation, and I can't really see the business value. So historically, that would be an attitude and a, a cohort of people that uh, the business would look upon information security. Of course, uh, things are changing, uh, and I'm seeing certainly from my clients and organizations that we work with, the DNA of a security professional, of a cyber risk professional, is quite different. It's more uh, understanding the business more. It's more talking in a language that the business understands, and it's more enabling and adding value rather than blocking and waving the re- regulation book. Because I guess if you're talking to basically a CEO of a company or a big counter, they won't know all the day-to-day lingo that the tech that the security guy is using. So if you can talk to them in their language, tell them what it means, and basically say. By the way, each year you're using X amount of money that's been lost through theft or data security. If we saved you 4% of that in year one, how would you feel then? That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's a great example of um, speaking to business in languages and metrics that that they can understand. Um, Another example, I think, Ronald, would be around customer loyalty and retaining customers. And we know certainly in 
the financial services area, in the utilities area, or uh, consumers, clients, customers are moving their business around now because they can do it a lot easier. We've got the tools, we've got the mobile technology. Um, So retaining customer loyalty is really important. And security is actually at the center of all that. If you, as as a client of a bank or a utility, know that your personal data is going to be treated securely with a level of trust around it, you're more likely to stick with that organization and stay with them for a, a much longer period than if you think mm, I've got some concerns over how they're treating my information. So business and boardrooms are now getting their heads around actually security actually could be a great enabler for our business yeah. and could retain our clients and customers and make them more sticky if we get it right first time. And for me the worst thing is when business decides that security cheaper the cost to do it the better. They don't realise that it, if you pay more you're getting a better service. Yes exactly. Um, uh, and, and it's interesting because um, a lot of the time organizations fall into the trap of shoehorning the security controls and what needs to be done to make something secure very late on uh, in, in the whole pr- uh, life cycle process. Um, by, by designing the right controls in place early on, it's a hell of a lot cheaper for organizations rather than trying to railroad something in uh, as a last step and probably not doing it right and then probably having to fix it once it goes live yeah. and perhaps uh, also undergoing some fines as well uh, because as we know from GDPR and data privacy that regulators and commissioners are now getting much more vigilant about organizations that are losing data or having data breaches. Yeah, last year I was on a podcast talking about GDPR before, before we came live and I was asked uh, what the fines were and then I mentioned 4% of, of your turnover per million year, whichever is greater. And I was asked, who, who can afford that? I said, Facebook can. It says, if they was pocket change, and a lot of companies mm. aren't in that same scenario as Facebook. So when they get this fine, to them it's big money. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see the fines coming. Yeah. And... Um, we, I mean, again, we'll have seen over the last number of months, British Airways, um, two hundred million um, yeah. of a fine. We've seen um, Starwood Hotels. Um, so these are big brands and big names, and the amounts are significant. Yeah. Um, but also the reputational damage that that's doing. We talked a bit earlier about customers and loyalty yeah. and stickiness and retention. Um, and again, um, if if you're transacting with some of these uh, organizations where the controls obviously yeah. are not fit for purpose, then that's going to have an impact on your income levels and revenue. And and I think, Roland, that uh, the fines and the reports, and we even saw it recently... Um, with the um, payment service directive and and um, a number of other areas, we're going to see more and more of yeah. these fines appearing. The worst thing is if you're somebody looking for like a hotel and you want, when you think Star Wars hotels and I'm going to go on all the abroad, go British Airways, and the first hit you're going to see is the hotels link or the website link for the for British Airways, and then below that you'll see a new story saying the reason you got hit by a big fine. Mm. That's not what they want to see. That doesn't encourage you no. at, at all. Uh, And we're finding that uh, not just the impact on customers, but um, very interesting is impact around the boardroom uh, as well. So 
directors and particularly non-executive directors are now very fixed on this thing called cyber risk, this yeah. thing called data privacy, this thing called data breaches. And, and I used to find um, really difficult to get into boardrooms to talk to them about these particular areas in the past. But now cybersecurity and data privacy is one of the first things on the agenda because very senior people in organizations now know that if they get this wrong, that not alone will they, will it impact on income in yeah. terms of fines and losses and customer um, revenue, but also in terms of their own personal brand and their own reputational brand as well is impacted. So all of a sudden, uh, this area has become really important. And it's because shareholders, when it comes to the monthly meeting, the shareholders can decide I'm voting you guys off because... You didn't do enough uh, on on the security front. Yes, correct, correct, and and also also generating bad PR and press about it. And I was reading a report recently, uh, also from one of the PwC uh, thought leadership pieces that we have on, on our website on this area, and it was about the interest that the investor community now has on cybersecurity. Yeah. So they're actually putting a price and a value on organizations that get this right and get it right first time. I think if you had an advertisement that said, Bernard uh, and said, look, we've been bad, we, we've been hacked, but we're going to change. Um, we're going to become the best security company in the world. That's what people want to see that, that mm. kind of news. Mm. Honestly. Yeah, and that's quite interesting as well because that brings the whole um, risk culture yeah. uh, into uh, the onto the radar. Many organisations. Uh, let's take good ones for uh, as a start, because I like to start with yeah. the with, with the glass half empty, uh, half full rather. Uh, let's take the good organisations. What are they doing around it? Well, they um, support and encourage a very open risk culture, yeah. so that when something goes wrong, either on the sh- on on the factory floor, or with technology, or with data that somebody puts their hand up really quickly and says, Houston, we've got a problem here. Yeah. And that uh, escalates up uh, the organization and is dealt with in a very organized and structured way. The right press, uh, the, the right phone calls are made, the right crisis management plans get executed. And wh- why is this happening? Because organizations have put these scenarios in place already they've tested for them they have a plan so what happens if the proverbial hits the fan what happens if the data from our best client becomes available for everyone else to see uh, in on the dark web how do we react to something like that great organizations are thinking about those kind of risks and crises and planning them in advance so that when the inevitable happens they can react and give comfort to individuals and their best customer that yes we have a problem we have been breached we have been attacked but we have a crisis management plan now underway and we're doing the best we can and we will continue to communicate with you. I guess it's like doing a fire drill in a company every so often you do a fire drill and at times you yeah. decide I'll tell the employees mm. other times I won't they want to gauge mm. the different reactions according to when they know better and when they don't know better and with this you might decide yeah. at times you're going to tell your, your staff we're doing mm. this or we're not doing this yeah 
It's either their reaction. And then you're hitting on a great point there, Roland, because awareness of cyber risk and cyber incidents from the person that is in the reception area on the ground floor to people that exist right up the very top of the organization, really important that they have an understanding of this transaction looks a bit funny. Um, this area here, um, we, we've lost some information or we've left a report on the train. Um, do I need to tell anyone in the organization about that? Uh, how quickly do I need to do that? Um, this individual that's in the organization, I haven't seen them before. They don't seem to have a name badge on them. Um, and being alert and being vigilant to the types of risks and incidents that could be out there, I think is the best control of all. So awareness and training, cyber awareness and cyber training, really important. And I guess who do you tell first? If it's a personal, they said, or with a with a badge you don't know, do you tell HR or security, or if it's somebody that uses mm. uh, a breach going on, do you, do you, do you tell the a director of the company or do you tell the IT yeah. guys? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you need to have training here you need to have policies uh, you need to ha reinforce those yeah. on a regular basis um, and we know because like organizations on the world is moving so quickly and threats and risks that we have today will be very different to ones that we have tomorrow so a continual reinforcement of the messages around cyber risk I think is really important and maybe have a chain of command that you might say to the head of, to the chairman of the board or, or director that when we have a security breach, you're not going to be the first to know because this is not your area. It's going to be a security guy. He's going to handle this. But as soon as it comes in and he's dealing with it, he'll brief you. This is what happens. That's, right. That's how we're dealing with it. But if you're the first to know, what are you going to do about it? That's right. That's right. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. We've been involved, Ronan, uh, helping organizations with a number of uh, breaches that they've had or cyber attacks and uh, we, what we like to do is we're, we're, we hope that we're not with them for the very first time so that they've had some level of scenario planning and testing uh, in advance um, because trying to deal with a crisis um, when it's happening uh, it's, it's very ad hoc very unstructured and very reactive yeah. and this is where I back to our digital trust survey, which is all around being more proactive yeah. around cyber risk. And, and again, there's always um, the good, the bad and the ugly here. The good is an organization has been breached, but actually has a cyber incident response plan and it's been tested. Yeah. Um, the bad is when they haven't got a plan and they're doing it for the first time and that's not a situation where you want to be. The ugly is when the organization doesn't even know that they've lost data and somebody is coming to them and saying, perhaps on the web, perhaps across Twitter, saying, my information is now available on the internet, perhaps on the dark web. Yeah. You don't know about it or what are you doing about it? And, it's the, and that's the first time they know about it. And unfortunately, a lot of organizations are still in that category. Or I guess you have a scenario where you have a company and uh, they, they decide a certain person in the company and maybe reception shouldn't know uh, about a breach, even though they have access to, to the same uh, computer systems as everybody else. Anybody with access to a computer system should be told there's a breach so they can prepare for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because I think um, 
you know, never waste a crisis. Yeah. Um, and I think there's always learnings from data breaches. Uh, I think there's always learnings from cyber attacks. And again, back to our risk culture. Um, if we've got a risk culture in an organization whereby the, the technology guys, the IT guys that watch the moat, that yep. watch the network, that watch what's coming in and out in terms of data, um, if they've been attacked or, or if they've been breached, uh, but they don't communicate that and share that with the relevant people in the organization, mm, yeah. Uh, that's not a very good risk culture to have. And unfortunately, we've been in organizations where technology guys uh, are trying to sort out a problem in isolation. And the business operations guys are saying, our systems are down, our systems are down. And the tech guys are saying, yes, uh, it's a fault, we'll get it managed. However, they're not being honest and transparent to say, actually, I think this has been an attack or I think we've, there's a ransomware uh, attack on, on yeah. board and, and again sadly I've seen that happen and hours and sometimes days are lost because the tech guys are trying to uh, fix it in isolation without using the power uh, of the rest of the, the organisation. tech guys might know there's a breach and there's other departments like personnel and also maybe guys department they realise we're being attacked but the tech guys don't know the tech guys might notice so when is the breach going on and systems are going down, they think of something else, but it's not been told by every department in the business should be saying, if we did a breach, uh, first protocol is call the uh, IT department, let mm. them know what's going on. Because at least that way, if more than one department is saying we've been breached or something's happening, they didn't know it was an attack rather than something's gone down. Mm. Yeah, so you're hitting on a number of areas there that we talked about yeah. around awareness, uh, around uh, like a fire drill, yeah. Knowing what to do, what's the ABC one two three? If we if we've noticed that there's something funny going on, or perhaps even let's give you a really good example of an email comes in, it's got a funny attachment on it. Uh, a new person's joined the organisation, perhaps hasn't got the awareness training yet, mm-hmm. clicks on the link, um, and then it dawns on them this is probably not a good link to click on. Yeah. What do I do next? And so having that fire drill, having that one, two, three, knowing what to do, um, that can be critical for an organization to respond and identify uh, that something has come in, a piece of malware, and we need to address it and very quickly. And the first thing, that person is so embarrassed and afraid of... That's right. They won't tell anybody. <laughs> We've got an email coming through and they're afraid to tell them, first day in job, I've got this email. I won't tell anybody just in case it, it should be okay, I'm not mm. going to worry about it. I don't want to mm. tell them because they're afraid I might get sacked. That's right. So for that's going, and then for months things are happening and no notices. Then they realise they've been hacked. Or when did they start? Oh, about three, four months ago. And then they go back to the new person starting. Well, why didn't you tell us then? Mm-hmm. You're in more trouble now than you were then. Because that's right. You could have at least warned us. That's right. So so really important, isn't it? That um, even at your induction training on your day one training, um, that the organisations make it very clear that. If an incident happens, if you do click on a link, yeah. if you see something funny, we encourage, we expect, we want you to put your hand up and actually call it out. You know, in the past, when you get duction, you've been told, this is a uniform, this is if you're driving where you can park your car, this is the canteen, mm. this is the bathroom, this is where the smoking area is. But now, if they've been told as well, oh, this is where you go to if you get a breach. But yes. You need to yeah. as well. Yeah, to, just to build it in, and it needs to be and part even and parcel. If, even, even if you don't, even would you actually go, 
Actually, over here in that cubicle over there on floor three, this is where you go to when you've got a serious compute problem. You can go talk directly. Rather than emailing them, you can go talk to them there. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I, again, I think it's back down to the culture. Yeah. Uh, and one, having the training yeah. and the induction that's needed. And then two, then... Uh, encouraging the openness and transparency yeah. and of course it doesn't just apply to cyber risk but it applies to all the other risks as well and those kind of organizations can react a lot faster and, and are better organizations to operate in. Yeah, and I guess if you say to them we're an open organization whatever happening tell us we won't be screwed, we're mad at you because it's human he, uh, the thing is these guys are looking for human yeah. frailty and yeah. the biggest risk in any business is humans mm. So if something happens, let us know. We, we'll do our best right. to fix it. It's, not, right. your, it's not your That's fault. Right. The best control, I tell all my clients this, uh, Ronan, that the best control of all is the human control. So you can have the best firewalls in the yeah. world and the best um, security operation centers monitoring your, your network. But the best control is the individual that sees the email coming in with the, with the funny link attached yeah. to it and rings up IT and says... I've just got this email here. Would you mind taking a look at it? Uh, that's the best control yeah. Because the worst thing is, when you get so many emails coming through and they're not sure what to do, and they just think, oh, well, nothing to worry, nothing to see here. But if they've been told, as you said, basically, this is your contact, and we have a, we have a chain of control, mm. we have to do this, this, this. And then once they know what they have to do, they're not going to be, uh, they're going to be not, not too worried about this. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, the, the, another aspect of it as well is um, the awareness of the individual around what they're doing and, wh- and how they're operating with technology yeah. within the organization. And an example of, of that is, uh, again, we, we've been brought into uh, a number of organizations uh, where data has been extracted. Um, sensitive data has been extracted <clears throat> and it could be uh, somebody's leaving to join a competitor and they decide wouldn't it be great if I pulled a number of um, sales contacts that I have currently mm-hmm. now uh, send it to my Gmail um, and so that when I start my new job I've got a sales order book already made for me yeah um, that type of transaction or that type of operation can be closely monitored by organizations if they have the right, what we call, data leakage yeah. tools in place. Uh, if, all, if individuals and employees know that those are the controls, the sophisticated controls that the organizations are operating in, I think you're going to get a much better degree of compliance and a much better degree of computer security. And also, I guess, make sure your BOID policy is strict. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've seen pl- plenty of cases where the policy is sadly lacking in in those cases. Yeah. And uh, you get somebody comes in and he, he decides basically his work phone is going to be his personal phone. Mm. So during the weekend he's out somewhere and he gets drunk and he leaves his phone down. There's suddenly any in data on that phone can be can be extracted. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and important to have the right rules in place um, so so that individuals are very careful about what information, uh, particularly corporate information, uh, where they share it, where they store it. Uh, and, and also in terms of, we've had some cases where um, individuals have been using um, social media to share confidential or corporate information, mm-hmm. um, which you know is a complete no-no, um, particularly if they're using their own personal 
addresses uh, yeah. in social media. Sadly, it happens, um, and you have to have the right policies in place to ensure that you can monitor and manage that. I guess that's with Sweden now been so prevalent. It's tough to to actually monitor that twenty four seven. Yes, it it is, um, and you look at the Gen Ys uh, of this world and and. Um, the millenniums as well they're, they're, they're all individuals that um, use social media on a very frequent basis and are quite transparent about what personal data they share on it um, then they come from school and college into a corporate environment uh, where the rule set is quite different to what it was like perhaps yeah. in their college lives and getting them those Gen Ys to transform their mindset around data and uh, social media can be a bit of a yeah, challenge. I guess if you're somebody who's a sales guy and suddenly you've actually got a big order and you're on Facebook celebrating, <laughs> I've got half a year order, <laughs> and you mention the company name, that's something that basically you shouldn't be doing, people are yeah. doing that. You yeah. feed it as, a, as their own personal diary. Yeah. Social media, Ronan, can be uh, such a, a, a honeypot. Uh, for information and and again uh, when we talk to clients about uh, breaches and they ask us well how the hell did they know that information about me or about the organization what they're doing the fraudsters what the hackers are doing they're trawling through all those social media websites the LinkedIn the Twitters the Facebooks and using that information and storing it in order to send that email uh, back into the organization and say, um, as you know, uh, this is organization X. You do a lot of business with us because they found that out from the Facebook um, announcement. Um, We've just changed our bank account details. The next time you make a payment to us, would you pay into these bank account numbers, which obviously yeah. is the is the bogus one. So they're using social media to to harvest the information and then to execute. Well, the, I think the worst thing could be if you got a team building day or Christmas party, and you photograph online saying we had a, or someone's leaving day, and you photograph of of your team, mm-hmm. and you say, oh, this is this is the the team celebrating uh, Pat's retirement day. Mm-hmm. Pat's actually moving on to going somewhere else, or. Or he's retiring now, and he's going to spend his twilight years playing golf. Mm. And if you had on a photograph all the people's names of their company on the on the department there, they could they, that gives them a start of of who who is well, who's in that department. Yeah, yep, yep. And and we had a classic example of that, Ronan, recently where somebody was leaving an organisation and uh, posted it up on Facebook. Um, the the fraudster uh, noticed it and said, mm, I wonder how good that organization is about taking off the, the user access of their resigned individuals and was able to gain access yeah. to the organization the following day because, of course, they hadn't been quick enough to take down the user ID and password of the network of the individual that was leaving. Or you get a scenario where that user is, is retiring, but he's going to come back and work as a consultant mm-hmm. on it. On a on a temporary basis, so you might say, "Well, I'm ret- I'm retired now, but I'm work I'm working willing to work with you guys as as a consultant, and uh, I might come and just work with you guys like uh, once a week or once a month. So therefore, teachers are still there." Yes, exactly, exactly. So um, they can be used as well as yeah. as a pathway in to access very sensitive information. It's kind of scary, and people actually don't realize this, that that this can happen. 
and, and, and is happening yeah. um, all the time. Um, and unfortunately, um, we'll always uh, have an element uh, of it. Um, and the, the fraudsters, they're getting more sophisticated, yeah. a lot more sophisticated. So what they're doing is they're relying on um, social media. They're relying on third parties. Um, and, and other pathways into organizations yeah. that are vulnerable. Yeah, so getting back to, to, the, uh, to, to the survey that you recently released, can you, uh, can you think, can you see it finally changing over the next few years? Um, I can, and I think where we're going to see things trending uh, is we're going to see cyber risk being discussed at the boardroom at the uh, the business um, committee levels and the business planning levels a lot more frequently, and what I mean by that is, I I think organisations are now the penny starting to drop. They're starting to think about if we build cyber yeah. security controls in early on, and we make the user experience. Uh, a little bit less bumpy, a little bit less complicated for them to sign in. Um, we'll actually attract more business, yeah. and we will retain more customers. So the cyber security or cyber risk professional of the future is going to be in boardrooms a lot more. The CEO is going to uh, include cyber much more central as part of his business strategy as he, he or he or she has ever done before. Uh, I think that's actually going to put a bit of pressure on cyber risk and cyber security professionals because they're going to be able to, they're going to have to have the uh, the common language to talk to these people yeah. on. If they go in and start talking about um, security operation centers, firewalls, um, network detection systems they're going to quickly lose the audience but if they go in and talk to them about um, the amount of business that can be generated as a result of having a secure solution uh, if they talk to them around security awareness programs that have been done in the organization so now everybody is up to speed with the latest threats yeah then the business will actually uh, want to hear more from them and want to hear from them on a lot more frequent basis. I guess like years ago, if you were in a boardroom, you'd have the, uh, the the directors would be in there and maybe bring in the PA. And nowadays, the, the modern day PA would be basically also you have in the security guy. That's right. So That's he'd, right. He'd be there at the meeting and he mightn't say much, but when mm. he's called to speak, he'll say, This is what you've got to, got to mm. be aware of. And I'm here because mm. uh, we're in a brave new world. And years ago, when you had data, it was stored in the filing cabinet. And and the security guy would be the guy walking around at night time with a torch and and a bit uh, and a baton and he'd be walking up and down the corridor making sure everything was secure. Mm. Nowadays I'm the security guy and I don't walk around in corridors. I sit in a I sit in a certain area and yeah. I monitor what's going on. That's right. So, data is the oil for yeah. an organisation as they move forward, and keeping that securing and keeping it safe is going to be really important. So when the chief marketing officer or the chief digital officer in the boardroom or um, at the Exco says we need to move forward with AI or we yeah. need to move forward with 
robotics. Otherwise, our competitors are going to eat our lunch. Yeah. That's when the security guy says, I think you're right. I think we should. Otherwise, I think our business is going to be vulnerable. But before we do, let's just ma- make sure that we're managing ABC risk. Yeah. And lastly, before I finish, how do businesses build digital trust? Um, again, it needs to be built in at the very beginning. Um, so it can't be bolted on a, yeah. at the end. It needs to be um, described, digital trust needs to be described in uh, a language that organizations understand. Um, so it's about how do we keep our data secure. Um, and it's a combination of three areas, Ronan. Uh, one is people, and we've touched on that in terms of awareness and training. Two is process, yeah. and we touched on that in terms of the fire drill, what happens if an incident occurs or what happens if we're, we, we've got a, a major cyber attack. And the third area is technology. Uh, yeah. And te- technology, thankfully, at last, we're now seeing much better analytics, threat intelligence, and firewall management systems so that when something funny is happening, that's lights and alarms start going off. Yeah. Because for me, though, the worst thing is uh, is when businesses start building trusts and after they build everything else, if they're embedding a, embedding a new system and last thing on the go is digital trust, that's mm. scary because that should be from day one. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, trust is so fundamental now, isn't yeah. it, with or- organisations, with financial services. Let's, let's take them for an example. Um, banks have a long way to go to build trust, to, to regain trust back with, the, with their customers, just through the number of scandals, yeah. crisis, et cetera, et cetera. By using security and digital security, here's a really great enabler for them to ex- actually accelerate that journey and to convince customers that actually doing business with us, uh, you can do it in a very trustworthy way. And I'm thinking if you don't build trust and tell from the beginning, business then starts to rust and then it's gonna go bust because you haven't been told. Or prepare for Correct. And nobody likes surprises when it comes to yeah, except uh, Christmas time. losing information. Yeah. You know, Christmas time <laughs> come, come every day where you, you get a big surprise and suddenly you realise, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thanks for that, Pat. Have a great day. And, Thank uh, you, Roman. Good luck with, uh, with the future dealings with uh, cybersecurity and hopefully it's, it's, it's positive news we hear. Well, I hope so too. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.